Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 341. It's time again to open up the Royal Caribbean Blog inbox and answer as many of your cruise questions. These are the emails that many of you listening have sent in, and I'll answer as many of them as I can to help everybody out. After all, if someone takes the time to send in an email with that question, odds are others are wondering about the same thing as well. Here we go. Last week, I brought to you a live review of the Cocoa Beach Club from the Cocoa Beach Club at Perfect Day Cocoa Key. I was so excited, so much happening, wanted to share it with you all, and you may have noticed in that episode, there was absolutely no listener questions in there. So to make it up to you, this week's episode is all about answering listener questions, so that way we can write what's wrong with the universe, have everything back at equilibrium again, and of course, answer some Royal Caribbean questions as well. And you can always send me your emails by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week is from James McColmortz. Hello, number one thing, 100% jealous that you're on a cruise and I'm watching snow hit the ground in Nova Scotia. My question is, my wife and I are sailing March 22nd, 2020, and we're noticing already that snorkeling excursions are selling out. We're hoping for a snorkeling excursion in St. Martin. Do you have any reliable third-party sites we could use? This is our second Royal Caribbean cruise. Well, James, thanks for the email, and a couple things I want to talk about. Number one, uh, taking a big picture here with James's question, when it comes to shore excursion, guys, I think we are really now at a point where if you want to do a shore excursion, book it as early as you can. These things are selling out a lot faster than I feel like they've ever done before. Back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I'm talking about maybe at the beginning of the life of Royal Caribbean blog, I would always tell people, ah, shore excursions are fine, just wait until you get on the ship, and heck, you even wait until you get into the port and book something. There's usually availability. These days, the more popular ones are selling out with more regularity. So if you want to do an excursion, don't wait. Book it as early as you can. That's really number one. Number two, to actually answer James's question, the website I would go to is a website called shoreexcursioneer.com. It's basically shore excursion with an extra ER at the end. Shoreexcursioneer.com. I've bought from them in the past. Obviously, I've never taken any snorkeling excursions in St. Martin. And just like any website, they're just a middleman for selling it. But I have a pretty good feel for what Shore Excursion here has to offer. That would be somewhere I would look. Also, uh, shoretrips.com is another good resource for good uh, third-party Shore Excursions. Our next email comes to us from Kristen Writes. Quick question after listening to th- your Three Wishes episode about the internet. I was on Anthem of the Seas last spring and I was very impressed. I'm sailing on Oasis in August and was just wondering if you've been on both ships this past year and how the Voom internet compared ship to ship. Thanks for all you do. Kristen, good news. Oasis and Anthem's internet is pretty much... Uh, the same as for both vessels, so you should have no issues whatsoever. When it comes to Oasis or Quantum class ships, there's really no issues with using the internet uh, in terms of the speeds. They should work pretty much identically to each other, so you should be good to go over there. Our next email is from Ron Ladowski. writes, once again, your podcast was a pleasure to listen to and a wealth of information. This from a loyal Royal Caribbean blog insider. What's an insider? I'll let Matt explain that at time he feels it's appropriate. <laughs> the point I, I wish to make involves your recent podcast on episode 339, Embarkation Day Tips and Advice. You mentioned ways to ensure booking specialty dining on a date and a time that you desire when you have pre-purchased a dining package. Going to a specialty restaurant or asking a crew member who is involved in promoting specialty dining are both viable options, but there's one more. If you happen to be staying in a grand suite or higher, I find utilizing the Sweet Concierge also works to perfection. The Sweet Concierge has especially restaurants on speed dial, and since they deal with the restaurants on a regular basis, they've developed a wonderful working relationship with the maitre d's at each restaurant. Using this method, I have found the wait to be minimal, if non-existent, and I have 99.9% of the time been able to reserve the times and dates 
at the specialty restaurants, which I had originally hoped for. That being said, your podcast was a great reminder of something else I must ensure I do during Embarkation Day on my first cruise on an adventure this season lasts three months. Can't wait. Thanks for reminding me that on, on Embarkation Day, there's more to do than sit at the sky bar and enjoy a pina colada topped off with crack and rum. A cruiser's work is never done. <laughs> Ron, thank you so much for your support, my friend, and the email. And you're absolutely right. If you do go in a suite, which is a grand suite or higher, you should get an email about a week or so before your cruise. And yes, if you have a dining package, if you want to book something on board the ship, you are waiting to do so, they can reserve that for you, the concierge that is. And that is one of the benefits they do provide you uh, for staying in a suite. So definitely take advantage of that. Not only that, to Ron's point, by emailing them before the cruise, you can actually get ahead of everybody else and get in um, while really availability as it is at its highest. So definitely take advantage of that. Great point, Ron. And thank you for being a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider, which is somebody who basically donates to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. It's our way of giving back. People for years ask me, Matt, love Royal Caribbean Blog. How do I support what you're doing? And becoming an insider is one of those ways to do so. For as little as $1 a month, you can help donate to Royal Caribbean Blog and help keep us going. For more information about what you can get as an insider and how it all works and all that, just go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support, royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. Next up, we have an email from Rebecca who writes, just wanted to start off and say that I love your podcast. You've been a great resource of knowledge for me booking and my boyfriend's first cruise on Symphony of the Season late March of the Western Caribbean, and I'm so excited for it. I've completely absorbed all the tips and tricks you've been able to offer through your podcast, and they helped me plan and save for everything from dining to drink packages. However, I'm still stuck on what to do in the cruise ports. It's hard not knowing what a place is like without being there. The ports will be stopping in are Roatan, Honduras, uh, Costa Maya, Mexico, and Cozumel. Unfortunately, I've only bit—I only have room in the budget for one excursion, and looking at excursions in the cruise planner has to offer there's something to be extraordinary opportunities in Cozumel. I'm wondering if I could possibly do something like explore Tulum and maybe some cenotes with just my boyfriend and I and save some money for other ports. I know it's a bit risky, but I'm wondering if you or anyone else has ever tried to make the trip to Playa del Carmen without a cruise guide. I guess my mindset is that I'd rather spend money on an excursion at a port I don't know as much about, like, say, Roatan or Costa Maya. I've scoured the internet for information about those ports, but just don't seem as exciting as Cozumel. However, I'm a naive newbie to all this, and perhaps you can enlighten me on some of the best parts of these ports, food, best beaches, and unique activities. And also, perhaps, uh, which ones are tourist trap things that like you would avoid. I would say that we are highly adventurous and want to be able to really experience the different cultures that these ports have to offer. Well, Rebecca, the answer to your question is yes, you can definitely go on your own, take the ferry over to Playa del Carmen. Because you're involving the ferry, that means there's a physical barrier for you to get back to the ship, right? The the ocean, right? The the, the channel or whatever it is between Playa del Carmen on the mainland and Cosmo Island. So really the name of the game, Rebecca, is time management. You need to be very, very, very cognizant of what time it is, what time you need to get back to, and give yourself a buffer. Do not plan to take the last ferry back in order to get you back on the ship. You want to have, in my opinion, multiple hours buffer. So you can absolutely do it on your own. Absolutely, Rebecca. You just have to be really cognizant of that time and make sure that you have enough time and enough leeway, especially when if things go wrong, maybe the ferry breaks down, maybe they skip one, they're sold out, who knows? You just don't want to leave that to chance. Give yourself plenty of time to get back and you're good to go there. Uh, and you certainly could do those things on your own. Um, I think Cosmo, and you know this, uh, and by extension, Playa del Carmen, is very easy to do on your own. Probably one of the easiest ones to do there. So if you want to go that route, absolutely. Another really inexpensive thing to do in Cosmo, it's not adventurous, but you could certainly go to uh, Paradise Beach. It costs like $3 to get in there. And you have use of their facilities, which is the pool, the beach, there's food, there's drinks. 
Uh, again, not adventurous, but something to do over there. In terms of other adventurous things to do, you know, when we're talking about Roatan, I'm actually looking at that for my uh, March sailing, Rebecca. I'm looking at doing something involving perhaps uh, meeting some sloths. Uh, there's uh, some people in our group that want to go do that. Evidently, that's a thing in Roatan. That's one option. Another is to go to Little French Key, which is a major, uh, again, beach destination in Roatan. Very popular. Um, also, zip lining, from what I remember in Roatan, is kind of a big deal. There's a couple different choices there. You might look at that. Costa Maya is a little tougher because Costa Maya is literally in the middle of nowhere. It's a cruise port that was created a couple of years ago, a number of years ago now. Um, but there's not a ton. I would say the uh, there's Mayan ruins that are a little bit easier to get to than maybe taking a ferry over in Cozumel. Um, and I believe it's Chacoben is the name of the ruins. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but um, there are Mayan ruins you can see uh, in or near Costa Maya. Uh, again, I, I'm not one to tell you which ones are more interesting. I think the appeal of Tulum is that it's right over the way in Playa del Carmen, and it's right on a beach, which is really nice, as opposed to, I believe, the Mayan the Mayan ruins in Costa Maya, which have no beach. But again, to each their own. Look at photos. I go to TripAdvisor and start looking at them and see which ones look more interesting for you to go explore. But I might look at that. If you were to do that, maybe you do the Mayan ruins in Costa Maya, and then you do in, in Cozumel, you just call it a beach day and stay on the island. I, to this date, have never taken the ferry to the mainland, uh, primarily for one reason and one reason alone. That ferry has a terrible reputation uh, for being in seasickness-inducing. It's called the Vomit Rocket, colloquially, and uh, it's a well-earned reputation. And there are plenty of other people who tell me they haven't had a problem, but I've, I've seen too many, too many bad stories about that, so that's why I've avoided it. So... Uh, thank you, Rebecca, for the email, and let's move on to our next email, and it is from Ian and Mandy from the UK. We're taking our second cruise on Oasis in May. Can't wait. It'll be the first time since the amplification, and we're wondering whether the benefits of the key have been extended along with the amplification, specifically to the private hours on Ultimate Abyss, Perfect Storm, and our Michigan Control Apollo 18 escape room. Uh, thanks, as always, for your thoroughly entertaining articles and podcasts that help make the wait long for Embarkation Day just a little bit easier to bear. Well, uh, for the key, the um, the escape room is not part of it. That's an additional cost. It's nothing to do with the key at all. So that's out. Um, the water slides, the ultimate abyss, you know, it depends on the ship. Um, and I don't recall, I haven't used the key on Oasis. Here's my, the, in general, I have found the activities with, involved with the key, included with the key, to be very limited. Usually the hours are off hours. They're limited. Um, there's not a ton of choices there. Back in January, somebody on a Facebook group posted a copy of the private hour schedule for the key on Oasis of the Seas, and it was limited to the zip line, the rock wall, the ice skating, and the flow rider, and there were limited times for both, or all three of those. So, in your situation, no, there those the, the slides and the ultimate abyss weren't included in that. I can't promise you that's gonna be the case when you go on there, um, but I would be interested when you do go on board the ship to let us know what your experience was with the key. Next, we have an email from Linda who writes, Hello, Matt, my two daughters and one of their fiancés are trying to go on March 19th for an eight-night cruise to, from Baltimore to the Bahamas, but afraid because of the high price of the alcohol package, it looks like we may not be able to swing it. The issue being my oldest daughter and I sharing one room. She drinks, I don't. The youngest daughter drinks, but her fiancé doesn't. So it would cost $2,000 for the two girls to enjoy having drinks with cruising. Totally ridiculous. I know it's out of your control. Is there any other packages available? There is, yes, Linda. So, so if you're in a situation in which an adult in, in the room wants to buy the unlimited alcohol package and another adult in the room doesn't, uh, for whatever reason, you can call Royal Caribbean and they will allow the second adult to get the non-alcoholic, the Royal Refreshment package instead of the 
alcohol package. This will obviously reduce the cost greatly because the refreshing package is significantly cheaper than the alcohol package. And that should help that a little bit there, Linda. Next, we have an email from another drink package, which is from Shannon Robert St. Pierre writes, Hi Matt, thanks for providing entertainment for our long drive from Fort Lauderdale to Richmond, Virginia. Just got off the New Year's, New Year's Eve cruise on Majesty of the Seas and loved Coco Key. You mentioned that people can score a discounted drink package as little as $18 a day. How are you notified of this deal? Where can we keep an eye out? First and foremost, the $18 a day one, that was a price mistake. Um, but if it were to ever show up again, which I wouldn't expect it to, the place you would find it is Royal Caribbean's Cruise Planner website, Shannon. So what you do is go to RoyalCaribbean.com, you log into your account, find your sailing, and there is where you can purchase your drink packages and other things, shore excursions, Wi-Fi, etc. And the price can change there at any given time, and you never know. So you got to check it periodically. I would check it every hour, Shannon. I check it like, you know, once a week or so. And also, Shannon, on top of that, when there is a general cruise planner sale going on, I do post about it over at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So um, if there is a sale, you can check that. That'll be your impetus pick. Ah, yes, time to go check my drink package again and see what it is. Keeping in mind, by the way, it will be cheaper online than on board your cruise. Next, we have an email from David Barnes who writes, Matt, as I listened to your most recent podcast episode, I was reminded of the very current complaints about the city of Atlanta smoke-free policy. Part of this policy has resulted in the closure of the smoke lounges in the Atlanta airport. Smokers must now exit security to light up and, if connecting, re-clear security. Many people are predicting mass chaos, mayhem, and rogue smoking in the airport. Of course, as I pointed out, similarly, restrictive policies don't result in people smoking in bathrooms or other airports or complete chaos of the security line. Much as you propose a desired policy ending smoking in the casino, people will whine a little, then overcome, just as they did when balcony smoking was prohibited a couple years ago. Just an interesting current parallel to your discussion. Absolutely, David. And you know what the thing is, when, whenever there's any policy changes, the people who don't like it will always be more vocal than people that do like it because if you're in agreement you're usually like oh that, that makes sense all right good you know yay moving on whereas the other people are like what and they'll be a lot more vocal about it and you're right there's a little bit of that uh resistance in the beginning and then you just you get used to it one way or another or you <laughs> or you don't cruise again i suppose but um yeah it, I, I agree with what your your sense of it is next we have an email from josh from lumberton who writes hi matt love your podcast you started listening recently uh, sorry this email gets long. I have a few questions and thought how my on how my wife and I have been treated. Background, my wife and I took our first cruise in June 2019 to celebrate our 10th anniversary. We were on Navigator to the Seas, went to Coco Key and NASA. We loved it so much, we decided to take our kids. We're sailing with our kids age 5 and 8. will be their first cruise. This was the only week we had because they are out of school. Plus, we'll make a road trip out of it. As we're coming from Houston-ish, Texas area, uh, we, booked and, we booked and then I found out this is a group cruise for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Any thought on this experience? We're not part of the group. We just happen to book the same dates. Also, I received safety health incentives from work in the form of Visa gift cards. We decided to buy the ultimate drink package with it, ironically enough. So I held on to them until the 30% off sale called to buy. They will not accept Visa gift cards, will not even let me preload them on board with an account with their. They're used like any other credit card, was giving a bunch of attitude, rudeness, and no help from numerous people we spoke to. Basically, they just refused to take the money. Can only use a Royal Caribbean gift card, uh, so we're using them for other expenses now, such as waterproof camera, etc. But we're still having to find things that we had no intention of purchasing, just find it very frustrating to a point where we're thinking of sailing with another line, which I hate to do because Allure is coming to Galveston in 2021, and that port is only about an hour and a half from me. Love the podcast, keep up the good work. So, for the gift cards, Here's the deal. It's their policy. It is what it is. That's the end of it. Um, uh, I, I, I know you're frustrated because you, you've got basically free money to use on something. And you'd rather use it there. I would point out that, well, you're doing a you're doing a, a road trip, you mentioned, right? 
and I'm pretty sure you're not making it from Houston, Florida on one tank of gas. Gas alone would be a great way to use it. I mean, I know you're saying you're kind of using it for things you may be not needing, like a waterproof camera, but keep in mind other expenses. Dining is a great one. I mean, if nothing else, Josh, unless you have like, I don't know how much money you got for, for your health incentives, but I would think at the very least, you could use those gift cards to offset your transportation costs to and from because you are driving, right? Gas, meals along the way, souvenirs for your kids. You know, there's a lot of things that, that rack up in that time. Uh, some hotels maybe even take it, who knows? But the bottom line is, I think you're gonna find more opportunity to do so. At the end of the day, it is their policy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you ran into a situation where they were, you felt they were being rude to you about it. Um, but at the same time, you also, you know, the answer is no. There's sometimes, I understand like people think that there's like, oh, if you just keep asking, eventually they'll allow you to do it. This is not one of those situations. It is what it is. Um, I'm assuming the reason why they don't allow the gift cards, there may be some liability there with, you know, oftentimes gift cards are the source of fraud. I'm not saying obviously this is the case, but um, there can be issues there. I don't know. I'm not a banking expert by any means, but I would tell you that in your situation, because you're driving, I got to think you're going to be able to use those gift cards again to cover all your transportation costs. Maybe get a hotel, um, you know, gas and food. A lot. I mean, food in general, my goodness, you know, the, the food along the way, a nice meal or two. You should run through those gift cards pretty darn easily. So thanks to the email, Josh. Our next email is from Peter Rao, who writes, thank you again and again and again for everything that you do. I wanted to let you, and more importantly, your listeners, know about a small glitch that happened to us on Liberty of the Seas last week. I had purchased a one-device Voom package on the Cruise Planner website weeks prior to our sailing without issue. When we embarked on the cruise, my 17-year-old daughter was the first to log into the Voom. The rest of the week, my wife, my 17-year-old, my 14-year-old, and myself all shared the access without a problem. The problem came at the end of the week when we received our CPAS printout. There was a $113 charge for internet access. I went down to the guest services to ask and why there was a charge on it when I had pre-purchased the package. It explained to me that since my wife's name was first on the cruise reservation and therefore the pre-purchase package was assigned to her and that my daughter logged in the Voom system, it did not put two together and thus charge us the onboard charge for internet access. Guest service took care of the issue immediately, but I wanted everyone to keep this in mind. Have a great day. Thank you again for all your insights and work. Pete, thanks for the email. One other thing I wanted to add on that, Pete, there is a way to prevent this from happening in the sense that you should be able to see this and maybe your daughter wasn't aware of it. If you pre-purchase Voom, there used to be a code or something you can use, you don't do that anymore. Now what happens, and this is what your daughter ran into, you log into the account. What she did was she put in her name, as she, it's a fair assumption to do, and you would have seen though, before she accepted it, there is, it'll clearly state how much you're being charged. But if you pre-purchase, you will see an option there, pre-purchased option. So bottom line is, if you pre-purchase Voom, before you activate that first account, as Peter's referring to on day one, make sure it says zero dollars and zero cents. And to Peter's point, if you pre-purchased it and you're not seeing that, you're seeing you're being charged, stop what you're doing, go down to guest services, there's usually a Voom representative there as well, and they can verify it's probably something like that paperwork, the wrong person using it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So keep track of who purchased it and make very certain when you activate and set up your account on board that it is in fact, you know, for the pre-purchased one and you're good to go. So good email there, Pete. Always uh, always important to remember these little things um, in terms of making sure that you don't run into unexpected charges or surprises. Next is an email from Christopher P from Texas. I was thinking about booking my first back-to-back -back sailing on a lure of the Zeta Galveston 
which would also be my first sailing log in seven days. I've taken many seven-day cruises, and to be honest, I can barely pack enough clothes for the last entire cruise. I don't wear like I don't wear clothes twice without them being washed. Insert my wife rolling her eyes here. I know, I know, clean freak alert. My question is: Is there any way to get seven days worth of washed clothes on the ship so I can make another seven days? without doing a back-to-back. -back. Yes, absolutely. Um, they, when you ask your stateroom attendant for a laundry bag, not dry cleaning, like a laundry bag, they have a wash and fold they'll do. You can totally do that, Christopher. It's not the cheapest thing in the world, but hey man, it's like you said, you're getting clean clothes back. So yeah, and there's usually pretty good turnaround on that. Let them know about your time frame also, like when you need it back by. Um, there is an express option. You don't need necessarily need to get it unless, of course, you realize, oh, gosh, I'm done on my last pair of underwear and it's formal night tomorrow. So, uh, you know, you need it back quicker. But yes, they have uh, there is an option for wash and fold. I do it a lot because not only is it a way to clean clothes, it's a way to pack less. What I'll do as an example on maybe a seven night cruise is pack enough for four, maybe five days with the idea that I'll wash and fold, you know, a couple shirts and a pair of shorts and some underwear. And, you know, that'll, that'll cover me and allow us to pack less. That's another tactic as well. Obviously, that costs money. But in my opinion, if you can throw money at a problem without it being a terrible amount of money, it's usually not a bad idea. All right, let's move on to our next email. And that is from Joe Mock, my very good friend, who writes, First, as a support as a support of Royal Crane Blog and AMAI Travel, thanks again for all you do. You are the go-to for all info Royal Caribbean. Taking lessons from you, my Jedi cruise master, I booked a yellow bucket list cruise on Ovation of the Seas this morning, May 24th, round trip out of Seattle. I even convinced my wife to upgrade to a Grand Suite. Wowza! Now are my questions. Number one, I see that thing in a Grand Suite gets me access to the Concierge Club, but I can't find any info on it. Also, I'm a diamond, but my wife is not. My understanding is that she is sailing with me. She gets the free diamond drinks every night. Also correct. Um, you do get the access to the Concierge Club. You'll get a letter in your stateroom, Joe. In fact, about a week before your cruise, as you probably heard earlier in this episode, you'll get an email from the concierge explaining all this to you. It'll be really easy to figure out. Now, you mentioned your wife is not Diamond. You should call Royal Caribbean about that. If, assuming your wife and you live in the same house, which I think is probably a safe bet, she should have the same status as you. So call Royal Caribbean whenever you got a, a hot minute and have them fix that for you. Number two, uh, the Royal website says that the grants would be a complimentary Voom service. Is that for both of us two devices? Yes, because you're on, you're in the Royal Suite class. You're on an Ovation of the Seas, which is a quantum class ship. Yes, everyone in the stateroom, even if you had kids in there, each one of you gets one surf and stream plan. Yes. And lastly, I've read several of the past cruise compasses on your blog. Thanks again for this great service. I recall in your recap of your Alaska cruise that you recommend attending lectures on different aspects of Alaska. I can't seem to find any reference to these in the cruise compasses. It's not the usual port talks, right? Thanks again for all you do in the cruise community. Um, and 130 days to sail away. Joe, you're very welcome. Um, the, In my experience, the talks were in the cruise compass, perhaps, and then granted it's been about a year and some change, so perhaps they were announced more, uh, you know, by the way, an announcement over the loudspeaker. I could have sworn they were in the in the compass. I know that the one that, I, when I was on the helipad of Explorer of the Seas for when we were in Dawes Glacier, that I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I mean, I didn't know there was gonna be a person there because there was a person there with like a loudspeaker and they were kind of narrating what we were seeing, but there definitely were things happening elsewhere on the ship uh, in terms of that. So I wouldn't necessarily worry that, oh, because you don't see it on other itineraries, it's not gonna be available on yours. Also, uh, I'm not sure, I'm assuming you're looking at Alaska itineraries. So I'm saying in the Caribbean, you, know, you usually don't get too many lectures uh, during the cruise, but perhaps that can uh, provide you 
with some uh, hope that as you go on your sailing, there will be that opportunity. Keep an eye, keep your eyes peeled on it. Also, if nothing else, um, track down the cruise director on the first or second day of the cruise and ask them if there's gonna be the opportunity for that. Next, we have an email from Wendy Martin. It's Matt. I listen intently to your helpful wedding podcast episode. My daughter is booked on Harmony of the Seas for October 11th, 2020. Her wedding has been planned since April 2019 on the ship, the Vows at Sea package. We're all set with the Royal Caribbean's Romance Department, and we have our current land coordinator assigned, and she has been totally awesome. The venue is Dazzles. It's the open bar issue I'm having a problem with since all of our guests, 40 or so, have the deluxe drink package. I heard they bought five cases of wine and champagne on board and were charged $15 cork fee per bottle. Eventually, the wedding coordinator opened the bar since their guests had all the direct deluxe drink packages. Our documents have to be turned in 90 days prior to the sale date. And I was wondering if your friend Michael Poole, who is a Royal Caribbean celebrity employee or someone important, he was able to get this bar open bar accomplished. I don't have to pay for this horrendous bar bill for those who have already paid for their drink package. Do any advice on this? As and again, Michael's situation was Michael's. As I recall it, Wendy, he went in the exact same scenarios. In fact, we were getting on the ship and his expectation was he was going to pay for wine. But as they got on board the ship, and as they talked to the wedding coordinator, the wedding coordinator kind of said, oh, everyone's got the drink package? Yes. And they opened up the bar. And or it may have been like, can we open the bar in the venue? Um, and they said, yes, but you know, you have to have a certain amount of people and will there be enough business? And then they mentioned they have, everyone has the drink package. So I think Wendy, and again, this is not necessarily gospel, but my recollection of it was that simply you need to talk to the wedding coordinator on board the ship, hope for the best because I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Everyone's got the drink package. It's kind of silly to be paying for alcohol that everybody can already get. I mean, worst case, I hate to say it this way, you could send people out. The only problem is from Dazzles, you're basically walking, what, to Central Park to get a drink? It's not quite a the, the trellis bar over there. It's not quite a around the corner necessarily. But I don't have any other better advice for you other than that. The only other thing I could, I could, I could tell you, Wendy, is to email your wedding coordinator and explain the situation to them and say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't expect an answer right now. You don't have to give me a firm yes or no, but is this in the realms of possibilities that this could happen? Don't mention someone else. That's that's irrelevant. And almost, you know, you don't want to be like that. Just be like, listen, there's a bar in there. If we could promise you a certain amount of business, provided most people have the drink package, is that cool? That's okay. I mean, they're not, they don't want to open up the bar for, you know, three people, obviously. It's not really much of an ROI on that. But I think if you can tell them, look, there's a, we've got a hundred people and, 90 of them have the drink package and we're going to be taking full advantage of it. You might get lucky with that. But again, I, I think uh, communication is key right there. And in your case, the more you can ask, uh, the better you might have a chance at that. Hopefully that helps you out there. Next, we have an email from Roger and Carol Miller from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I had a chance to cruise with them on Freedom of the Seas during the Freedom of the Seas group cruise. Um, my wife and I are excited to be cruising Symphony of the Seas for the first time next month, February 2020, and have benefited greatly from the helpful information on the podcast and Royal Green blog message boards to get ready. We have many of the basics covered for the cruise on Oasis class, including pre-reserving entertainment, love all the shows, including the musical, ice skating, and the aqua theater, and have also booked the three-night specialty dining package, mainly so we can experience Wonderland restaurant where we've never dined before. Based on your experience and other bloggers, we would be interested to know what you might consider a Symphony of the Seas must-dos, or perhaps some aspects of the ship that were pleasantly surprised and have made a point to experience again and again. Well, the podcast, thanks for all you do. P.S. Ken Cook and Yo performed admirably as your sidekick on episode 366. We would say hats off to Ken on a job well done, but he probably doesn't want to be reminded of his favorite hat that blew away in Bonaire. <laughs> Roger and Carol, thank you for the email. 
So in terms of must-dos, you, you nailed the, the biggies right there, right? The dining on there. Uh, the escape room, that's a must-do. I think you gotta check that out. Uh, I think the Ultimate Abyss is a must-do. It's not nearly as scary or as intense as it looks. It's actually a lot slower than you might imagine. So that's definitely a must-do on there. Uh, I think, you know, the shows, the dining, you kind of encompass that. Um, beyond that, I mean, go for a ride on the Rising Tide Bar. That's a really cool thing to do. Um, whether you have, if you have the drink package, it's a lot easier to do, but grab a drink on there. Not a bad thing to do uh, once on board. And then, of course, um, the solarium is a great area. Spend some time in there. I think you really like that. Oh, and one more thing for dinner. I know you mentioned some of the restaurants. Don't overlook Solarium Bistro. I love it for breakfast. Uh, dinner's fine as well, but it is open. It's complimentary. It's a great spot. Most people don't even know it exists over there. It's in the front of the ship in the solarium, obviously. So check that out. It's a really, really good spot. Next, we have an email from Murph who writes, what are the advantages and disadvantages to non-refundable refundable deposits thanks to the podcast? I'm down to 54 days till my next cruise. So when it comes to refundable and non-refundable, if you book non-refundable, it's going to cost you less. Royal Caribbean will, uh, will charge you less for the room if you agree to non-refundable. But of course, if you make any changes that if you change the cruise date or the ship, you incur a change fee. If you cancel the reservation, you incur a change fee, $100 per person per change, right? So if you change it to Oasis of the Seas, there's two of you, that's 200 bucks. Change the date again, that's two of you, that's another $200, right? So forth, so on, blah, blah, blah. Um, the refundable deposits, you don't incur any of that. You can change as much as you want, you can cancel it. All your money back, no change fees. But you, it costs you more than with the refundable, non-refundable, I should say. In my, in my opinion, I, always 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 book refundable deposits i even book refundable deposits for group cruises in which i have to be there i just can't bring myself to do non-refundable there's something about it that i just like the flexibility of refundable and that's how i roll so i don't know if that makes you feel any better about it but yeah i mean look if you know without a shadow of a doubt you're going on that sailing hey non-refundable will get you a better deal there's just no denying that so something to keep in mind there uh, next, we have an email from Sean who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for all your great information you provide. I'm booked on Symphony of the Seas for April 2020 with my wife and three children, ages 14, 12, and 9. I've been binging your podcast and learning all I can as this is our first cruise on Royal Caribbean after two cruises on Disney. One question I have is whether it's possible to cancel and get a refund for specialty dining reservations purchased in advance through the cruise planner once you're on board. I booked Izumi Hibachi for the five of us, but if my teenagers decide once they're on board that they would rather do something else for dinner, can I get a refund on my advance purchase? Uh, Sean, you can. You need to give them sufficient a, a notice. I believe you need to technically give them 24 hours notice. I say technically because you might have luck with a little less notice. But if you go like 20 minutes before, like, hey, we're not coming, mm, you're kind of shorting the restaurant there. I wouldn't necessarily expect that. The refund, however, Sean, will be coming to you in onboard credit. So it won't go back to your credit card. It'll go back to your onboard account, which in my experience is easily spent <laughs> uh, during your cruise. Second question I have is in regard to Adventure Ocean. On Disney, my daughter loved the Kids Club, but if she wanted to be picked up for one reason or another, the Kids Club staff would text me or my wife through the Disney Cruise Line app. I know there isn't such messaging in the app on Royal, but we will have Voom, and I'm wondering if the Adventure Ocean staff reaches out in the same way if they want to be picked up. Thank you. Listening to your podcast and reading the blog is me counting down the days to our cruise. Sean, they don't. Um, if your daughter wants to be picked up, the first thing, really the only thing they'll do, short of an emergency, is call your stateroom uh, and leave a voicemail there, which... I'll be honest, in my experience, that rarely, I'm rarely ever in my room anyway, and usually we always miss those messages. Um, the other thing you can, you can do, Sean, is periodically check in, call them. There's house phones all over the ship. Uh, get the number, you can do that. If your daughter, your daughter's nine, 
You can ask for a deck phone. You know, this is the phone that uh, looks like an old school Nokia uh, from the uh, early 2000s, late 90s. You can ask for one, say, look, look, my daughter's a little iffy, just wanna make sure, can I borrow a phone? They usually let you sign one out. And that if, if you're truly concerned about that, at least in the beginning, I've, I've usually been able to get one, but um, you know, that would be the other, your other course of action. But calling periodically might also be something else you can do where you just say, hey, you know, I'm just calling to see if, uh, you know, so-and-so wants to be picked up or not. No, okay, cool. Call you back later. Thanks. You know what I mean? So hopefully that answers your question. Now we have time for one more email today. I got a lot of these in here. And that is from Angie. You're right. Hi, Matt. We're looking to book a seven-night cruise on Freedom of the Seas or a Voyager class ship to Coco Key in June of 2021. The Freedom is in New Jersey and Liberty's in Galveston. The Independence of the Seas is not open for June 2021. I found this odd as it's only a year and a half out. And there's no listings for Mariner or Navigator for June 2021. Do you have any insight on why the ships have not been released yet, as but yet others in their class? Angie, the answer is Royal Caribbean is not released. As of the recording of this podcast, the short Caribbean 2021 summer stuff. Don't know why. It was supposed to come out in December and it just didn't happen. So I'm imagining there's some logistics involved, perhaps some shuffling of ships. Uh, you never know. But the bottom line is, Angie, you're not missing something. It just hasn't come out yet. So yeah, you're gonna, I know you're in this weird, my, my recommendation, Angie, uh, for the stuff that is there, put a refundable deposit down. And then when the other stuff does come out, you can always cancel that one that you'd put down there or switch it to non-refundable and get some extra money back, uh, whatever the case may be. But that way you can, you can, you know, have a little more flexibility in your planning without, you know, sacrificing a better price today than when those new sailings come out. I would expect those sailings to come out, Angie, by the way, probably in around uh, March or so. This is just another couple of weeks or so. And of course, since we, I do know any dates, I will post them at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here. This has been Matt from RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, and we'll talk again real soon.